everyone, and welcome to The JW Show. I'm your host, Joshua Washington, director of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. And I'm here today with Juanana Abrams. Uh, Juanana is a married mother of three beautiful boys born in the Bilabuha village in Ethiopia. She and her family made Aliyah in 1991 when she was three. Juanana holds a BA in communications and MBA and taught English, but all from IDC Herzliya. She now lives in Netanya and is a graduate student in the Orit Guardians program at Tel Aviv University and volunteers at Negat, an organization that works to place young Israelis of Ethiopian origin in key positions in the Israeli business ecosystem. She recently founded LAB, a private Facebook group with over 2,000 members that encourages young people or people to learn Amharic. She is thrilled at the prospect of playing a key role in bringing the Orit to uh, academia and is now uh, and knows that it is an important opportunity to learn and transmit the deep wisdom of Beta Israel's religious leaders, which otherwise would be lost to future generations and the Jewish world. Wanana, thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's start with Orit Guardians because that is... Uh, just in light of recent events, there are a lot of things that happened over the past few weeks. Can you tell us what Orit Guardians is and what is your role? How are you involved with it? So uh, the Orit, Orit in, um, in the Giz, uh, it basically means Torah, like the, uh, the, the Bible, the Tanakh. Uh, and when you say uh, Orit, the Orit Guardians, it's basically, you know, the... The holy scripts of the Beta Israel, the Jews of Ethiopia, never been researched. So the Read Guardians is a new program at Tel Aviv University in the in the Bible uh, disciplinary that's the that's starting to study the Orit and bring it to to the light, basically to the rest of the people to understand and know about. So I'm a student there. Uh, and it's my first year out of two. Uh, yeah, and we, you know, we, me myself as, uh, as Ethiopian descent, I'm trying to, I'm, I know how to speak the language, Amharit, but the Owait is written actually in Giz. So it's a whole other language that you need to learn. And Amharit came out of Giz. And there was a clear separation between Giz and Amharit. Because uh, uh, the Kesim, which is our spiritual leaders, uh, des- decided, not just them, but even the, in the Ethiopian Christianity, you can see that whatever is related to, to the scripts and the holiness and uh, studying the, the Bible would be in Giz, and whatever is not, is normal day-to-day life would be speak spoken in Amharit or any other language. Oh, wow. What is the, are they similar? Yeah. Are the dialects similar or, or what's the difference? Well, I'm just starting. I just finished my first semester. Uh, mm. And so I learned Giz. So now I can read it. Oh, wow. I mean, the, the letters are similar, but there is different in, there is a lot of similarity, of course, because Amharit generated from Giz. But okay. there is a lot of uh, differences that you need to learn and speak it and read it, basically, to, to learn more about the differences. 
Wow. So is it, is geese, that's how you say it, right? Geese, you said? Geese, yeah. Geese. Is that a, before before you studied this and before this, because you said the scriptures have never been researched until until really where we are right now. Yeah, the is, Jewish ones. The Jewish ones. Is, so is that language, a, was it a, was it a dead language or was it, is it still spoken or is, or really is it just uh, in the scriptures? It's only in, in scriptures. It's not really spoken. Okay. I mean, in Ethiopia, you have, uh, I think last time they counted 80 dialects. Wow. Uh, and there is, you know, some, you know, with, with, with the years, uh, some dialects are basically uh, done for, like no one is speaking them because there is only like, there is one dialect. I don't remember the name, but the, it's only one person, the whole Ethiopia who speaks it. Mm. so you was you know once he move on with with life to heaven and then uh you know that that language that dialect would die with him so yeah Uh, so i know that geese you mainly can see uh only the the spiritual uh leaders speak it whether it's the christians or the ethiopian jews so when we go, when when Ethiopians go, when is Beta Israel in Israel, right? Go mm-hmm. to synagogue that are uh, for the Ethiopian community and led by the uh, Beta Israel spiritual leaders. They would the leaders would read the Torah and pray in Giz, and the rest of the people would not understand the word. They'll <laughs> just repeat what they're saying. And just like kind of trust and believe and just they just get the spiritual experience mm. out of it. So it is a, it's a language that's really taught and maybe spoken only by the leaders, the spiritual leaders. Wow. So it's then how how significant is it then? I mean, I don't want to I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I want to ask you how how significant it is. Is it that this is being taught now um, through Orit guardians like this is this is. I guess the attempt is to make it so that it's not just a very rare language that's only spoken by, you know, one or a few people, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, how big is that? So the way I look at this, the read guardians have like, um, two, be- not, not two, but more reasons and benefits that I believe in. One is, uh, you know, the, in the academic aspect where there is, a whole bunch of scripts that no one study research that may shed light into what we know about this, the, the Holy scripts, right? So everything has been kind of uh, research, you know, whether it's from German and Greece and, and English and any other language, Hebrew, of course. Uh, but the, the Ethiopian scripts never been researched. So, so there is one, uh, aspects for it, which is in more in the academic uh, um, point of view. The other point of view, which really kind of drawn me to that, is the social aspect that it brings to Beta Israel who lives in Israel. Uh, you know, when we came to Israel, uh, regardless, I mean, the whole idea of Israel, if you go back to Ben Gurion era, uh, they believe that 
whenever a Jew comes to Israel, they need to speak Hebrew, forget where it came from, and just become this new product, this Israeli, this Tzaba, right? So with the years, it, it changed because people just could not forget, and it was their heritage, their tradition, things that they've been living for like hundreds and thousands of years. And now we become this multicultural, uh, diverse uh, groups of people who live in Israel. That the, the common is that we're all Jews, just from different places in the world. So when you look at this in, from the Beta Israel point of view, uh, the whole connection of the Jewish in, in Ethiopia and the outside Jewish, like, you know, in the world, it started in like the late uh, 1900, it's like 1880. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but uh, this was like the first, the, those times was like the first encounter between Ethiopian Jews who lived in Ethiopia to other Jews around the world. So the Ethiopian Jews always believe they're the, the last descent of the Jewish nation. They believe there, there is no more Jews. It's just, it's just us. So when we came to Israel, obviously there is like, there is a whole gap, you know, third world country to come to the Israel, you know, all these advanced world. And a lot of the time there is a gap between the the parents who came to Israel and the kids. The kids are trying to be part of the general population. And when the parents don't know how to read and write and they cannot really assist them in those matters, there is a gap that created between the parents and the kids. And only when those the little kids become adults, they understand that they really need to learn about their past and their heritage. And, uh, you know, my, my friend told me that as a yeshiva, yeshiva boy, which is a religious school for boys, when he studied there in his, um, when he was uh, young, you know, in his uh, teenage life and late, uh, early 20s, he always learned about the Jewish scripts from Yemen, from Spain, from, you know, England, from wherever. Right. Mm. And he never had, there was never a contribution to the Jewish of Ethiopia. Mm. And he knows that his parents are so, uh, such a believer, such dedicated uh, to the religious. And the fact that, you know, they kept the religious in for 2000 years. Uh, and it just, it put them in a position where he didn't understand and felt like he had nothing to bring to the table of this discussion. So the Red Guardians is basically, I think it's a really important thing because then it shows like the culture, the, the religious aspect and what kept us Jewish in the diaspora. Uh, and I believe it would give a lot of uh, light and it would be a source of information for the young Jewish generation of Beta Israel and also the rest of the world. So wow. I think it's a very important program, to be honest. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's, that does sound, that's groundbreaking. Um, and this is, yeah. how long has it been? Is this its first year or are you like one of the first students or? It is the first year. Okay. Uh, 
I know that when they when the head of the program, uh, Professor Dalit Romshiloni, uh, brought this up to the university that you want to start this route in the Bible studies, uh, it was like the fast, the, it was approved so fast, like the fastest program that approved. Wow. wow. Uh, so yeah, obvi- I, obviously everyone see the benefit of it uh, on the social aspect, academic aspect. So yeah, it's wow. really nice. That's that's incredible. And what what you said too about um, in the 1980s when the when mm-hmm. the Ethiopians were first kind of introduced to to the rest of the Jews in Israel, how the culture was different. It was you come, you forget about where you came from, and and uh, you learn Hebrew, and and now it's there's this embracing of actually it's quite necessary to know where like you said what kept you all jewish in the diaspora um right that's i mean yeah that's i think i mean i just think that's incredible i think for for all the diaspora but particularly for the ethiopians like we're talking about the history is important to israel not just not just to the ethiopian jews but to israel do you, what do you do you think that too or what do you think yeah yeah totally i i totally agree with what you said you know the fer- the fact that the first uh, communication between Jews in Ethiopia and other Jews for the first time was in um, 1880, 1880. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like really well, you know, in the past. And then it comes to, you know, Dr. Faitlovich who came to Ethiopia that he heard about this group of people. Who, who's Jewish, and he came to study them and study with them mm. and kind of c- reconnect them with their brothers who are in a different diaspora. So the whole story of Ethiopians and in, in Israel, Ethiopian Jews in Israel, it's really like long before uh, we're talking about, you know, Operation Solomon, Operation, mm. Operation Moses that we all know and aware of, but there right. is a whole history that, it's not really familiar to a lot of people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, Anna, that's so incredible. Um, I want to learn more, and I'm sure our listeners do too, they want to learn more about about you. Um, and I know that for those who weren't, who aren't aware, just, just a few weeks ago was the uh, the 10th anniversary of, of Baruch Tegenye's passing. Um, we And we commemorated him. I was able to be there. And I saw you were one of the the speakers. Um, and for our listeners, um, if you could, I mean, for, for those who don't know, he was uh, very much a pioneer in the Ethiopian Jewish community. He's um, was one of the 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 main figures behind uh, Ethiopians actually making it to Israel. And mm-hmm. um, you, like I said, you were one of the speakers there, and it was it was great to see you there and to see you speak. How how has his story um, and his his journey affected you as an Israeli of Ethiopian descent? Well, he Baruch Tegenia was one of one of um, how to say one of the pioneers who actually uh, started this whole connection and relationship with Israel and let them know that there is Ethiopian Jews. In, in Ethiopia, who want to come to back to their home, to Israel, to Zion. 
so without him and other activists like Ferede Aklum and Yona Bugale and so many others, like that would be totally different because he was actually one of the one of the guys that Faiklovich brought to Israel to study. Uh, study Hebrew and send them back. And to be honest, you know, at first Israel were not was not sure about you know the Jewish in Ethiopia and how they're related to to Israel and Zion because there is so you know obviously the physical uh, appearance uh it's it's different same as ethiopian jews in ethiopia we never thought that there is a jew who's white that was a whole revolution for us when we saw uh jews they are white so the same thing was with israel who kind of didn't it wasn't like the things that they used to or know uh and it was very you know among others you know went and pressured the Israel and the Jewish agency and went and traveled the world, talk with other uh, Jewish communities to help out and bring uh, these Jews to Israel, to Zion. So one, I think one of the sad parts is that the Ethiopian community is less of talking about things but actually go and do things mm. like we're not good at marketing ourselves in a way <laughs> if, you, if i'll bring it to the modern life mm. uh so i remember when i was researching a little bit about my family uh i i learned that my grandpa had the opportunity to come to israel in the early 80s and he refused because he was wealthy in Ethiopia, but not because of the wealth. It's because that the Ethiopian government would capture uh, people, the activists that are in connection with Israel and, and I don't know, uh, put them on trial for betrayal of the country or whatever it is. And since he was, uh, he was wealthy and could advocate, he used to uh, bring them to his house and and go and advocate for them in trials and release them. So he thought there is greater things to do for him to stay in Israel in in Ethiopia than go to Israel because he's so you know you, you were part of this motion of changing something, bring everyone to Zion. So he felt that he can do better in Ethiopia for the cause than bring him just himself and his family. And you know we we did came to Israel. Uh, in 1991 but that that story for example like I didn't know it's not something that everyone talk about you mm. know in a family gathering or yeah. something it's just you know it's something you did no big deal and it is a big deal you know it is that <laughs> this is, a great is things deal. that you want to know right so did he ever yeah. make it to Israel at all before he died yeah he did he, he did. came in 1991 oh he came with you all has okay. Yeah, we came, we came after him a few months after, but yeah, we kind of came around the same time. And was it through Operation Solomon that you guys came, or was it through different means? So we came, my family came one month before the Operation Solomon. It was a secret operation that was held by the Mossad, where we would have fake passports. Right. Fly to Italy as if we're going for a vacation, mm. stay there for a night, 
and then came to Israel. So wow. my arrival to Israel is different than uh, stories people know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. My goodness. And um, so yeah. I know, I mean, you were three, obviously. So, I, you know, I, I maybe you don't remember certain things, but, um, you know, what do you do? You, I'm sure your parents might have shared some things with you. Like, what was what was it for them to finally be able to actually make it to Israel? Or to have the opportunity well, to travel to Israel? Well, for them, it was a, a dream come true. Something that, that everyone is being waiting for generation to generation. I mean, I, at one point when I was a teenager, I asked my parents, like, don't you rather just go back to Ethiopia? Because, I mean, we were not, we, we were doing well. Mm, so mm. to come to Israel and, you know, encounter all this challenges you know the language barrier the fact that you cannot support yourself financially because you don't speak the language so you have to do like i don't know blue collar job i don't know how you say it in english yeah yeah that's right you don't really have much options right so i i always ask my dad like wouldn't you just rather go back to where we lived where you have your own land you have your own you know property and assets and, and everything was good for, for us over there, even though it was, you know, in third world country, you know, uh, wealth, but it was, it, it seemed like, you know, much calmer, much, uh, have more purpose. Cause here there it was like a lot of, I don't know how to say it, a lot of distractions. Uh, and, and they said we wouldn't trade this for anything in the world. Like the goal was to come here, whether it's difficult or not, whether we we're, we're wealthy or poor, this yeah. is our home and we're just happy to be here with our brothers. Wow. So, wow. yeah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so do you, do no you, trip from me. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you still feel that way now? Or do you, do you kind of, do you understand more of why they feel that way? Now that you're now that you're a mother yourself now, three boys. I mean, I, I have to say, I I I definitely uh, believe that and feel that because I mm. had the experience of living uh, abroad. Like I lived for one year in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, when I was 19, doing my national service there for a year. Oh wow. And then I I lived in England for a few years, but I I just I don't know. I just wherever I went whether it's on a trip or to live somewhere, I just always felt like that's not my place. Mm. <laughs> like it's, it didn't feel like home. Wow. Like I could, I definitely, you know, manage and, you know, did good, but right. it right. still didn't feel like home. Uh, my husband is actually from, from, uh, America. Like, uh, he made Aliyah from America, but, uh, was born in England in Manchester Oh, so wow. he he made Aliyah one month before we got married. Uh, oh wow! So yeah, and and it, so basically, I had the option to either live in the U.S. or live in England or in Israel. And for me, it was like definitely Israel. It wasn't <laughs> even a question. You know, people are telling me, "Wait a minute, are you saying you don't have citizenship?" I'm like, I don't care about you know American <laughs> citizenship. Like this is my home. Why do I need another place? Right. So right. yeah, this is just you know something that I don't even think about because for me, home is Israel, is mm. Zion. That, that's my home. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so being there in Israel, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back to Ori Guardi Guardians now. 
Um, so can how do your how do your parents feel about or guardians like I mean just this I mean I'm thinking anyway of this kind of full circle thing of where in Israel we finally made it and now there's a program that actually um, kind of unearths uh, our our culture like where where we actually came from to get to Israel um, like what is how did, have you ever talked to them about that what do they think well I remember growing up how my father used to put a huge poster of, you know, the Amharic alphabet and trying to teach us to to read it. Uh, And we're always so like, oh, man, it's so difficult. It's not just 22, 26 letters. You're talking about like 33 letters that changes (laughs) in every, uh, it's not syllable, but there there is a lot of letters. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. It was too much. It was like (laughs) learning Chinese in a way. Every letter is like a whole art. Uh, and we're like, we need to learn Hebrew and English at school, you know? <laughs> so you definitely, I, you, you could definitely see the pride of, of where they come from mm. and trying to, uh, give us the heritage, the culture and, you know, showing us that you always need to know your past and it's always mm. going to do good. So for them to, now I don't only speak some hark, I also can write it. So it's a yeah. whole it's they love it, you know? Wow. They're really, really enjoy and proud of it. Wow. So you told us a lot about Ori Guardians, um, and it's a lot of valuable information and it's and it's an incredible program. What can we do to help? Is there is there anything that we can do to help Ori Guardians in any way to contribute? What 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 can we do? So, um, you know, the Red Guardians is open to anyone who want to study it. So oh, wow. uh, academic-wise, I would definitely see help in more people being interested in this program and actually come and study this with us mm. uh, and also help spread the news about this amazing program so it can keep growing and have lots of people researching this so we can bring this whole uh scripts into english or hebrew writing Mm. uh so that's one thing and also for me you know i have my ba my mba i had my have my job so uh for me to stop all of this and go back to school is especially now you know with covid which is a whole other issue but if we put in covid aside uh, to go back to school when you're like a, a parent with kids and bills and all of that. So mm-hmm. definitely supporting financially the Red Guardians program in Tel Aviv University can also bring a lot of help because that helps supporting uh, the students um, to learn it and research it. So that's the two options, I think. Awesome. Wanana, thank you so much. Um, just for sharing with us, um, for for the for the wisdom, for the stories, and for your you know sharing your journey with us, I think it's our listeners really enjoy this, and and we really appreciate you for taking the time to do this with us. Of course, thank you for having me. Thank <laughs> you for helping me <laughs> spread the word about the Wade Guardian. That's absolutely, and if there's anything else that we can do. Um, we will definitely let our listeners know through our email about Orit Guardians and how they can help. Um, so let, let me know if there's anything else, and I'd love to add it to there. Okay.
Okay. Okay. Sounds sounds good. Sounds, thank you very much, no, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, once again, this is the JW Show. My name is Joshua Washington, Director of Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, and I'm signing off. <laughs>